Hey guys, welcome to episode four of CFB Unwrapped. Joined today by my bruh, Mike Schneid. How you doing, Mike? What's up, Christian? And for those of you that are listening, you'll understand that joke as we get into the episode later. Yeah, uh, just in your head, remember bruh, because that's going to be a, a name that we have to decipher uh, later in the show. Uh, give Mike... I need him on the show to, to talk about this high profile NCAA violations, but give Mike, <laughs> give Mike a follow on Twitter at M S S C H N E I D. I don't know how to pronounce it right all the time. So I'm just going to spell it out for you. So all the idiots like me can uh, enter it in and follow him. Uh, also, uh, you can listen to us on the pulse podcast network, go on the app store and download them. It's an app where it's a whole network of podcasts ranging from true crime to sports, college sports professional sports um and anything in between so uh we're gonna hop into it today uh, our first topic is the mythical uh transfer portal it is this new device created in october of last year in 2018 where college football players can enter their name into this database which allows them to receive scholarships from other schools while still retaining their scholarship at their current school and so for people who aren't familiar how it was before essentially if you wanted to transfer schools in college football you would have to leave your school give up your scholarship and become the ultimate free agent and and you know go out in the world and try to find yourself another scholarship. Now you can put yourself in a database and actually kind of be like a free agent in football. I just want to get your general thoughts, Mike. How have you in general felt about this new rule? Um, and then we'll go into piece by piece how you feel about each situation. I just have so many questions. I mean, are they literally sitting there in front of a laptop and just like you type your name and password and be like, I would like to declare for another university. I just, I want to know the logistics behind this mythical portal. I mean, it is what it is. This is what it's come down to in college football is there's free agency. And, you know, you and I talked about this offline or earlier this week that if you don't win the starting job, I'm specifically about quarterbacks, because they're the ones that kind of get all the attention with this portal. If you're not a starting quarterback by the end of year one or year two at the latest, you're gone. And it's really... It's destroying recruiting because recruiting rankings don't mean as much as they used to. You can bring in, you know, the top quarterback in the country, but he might leave a year later, which we're going to talk about in a minute. But, you know, to me, it is what it is. The portal itself is mythical. And I, I have so many questions that you can't answer for me. But just the idea of this college football free agency, it kind of bums me out because I love recruiting day. I love national sign. I love the recruiting. I love national signing day. And, you know, it is what it is. You can't really judge these kids and tell them what to do. I just wish some of them would stick it out a little bit and, you know, embrace the competition a little bit more. But it is what it is, and I, and I respect what they want to do with their lives. No, definitely the younger guys. I There's certain situations where, especially when we talk about USC and bruh later, I would love to see guys stay. At the end of the day, NCAA football is the only farm right now for football leading directly into the NFL. So it is a business decision when you choose to leave if, if going to the NFL is your ultimate dream. Uh, some of the guys at the lower schools I know, I've actually seen the transfer portal. So to answer your question, it is like a spreadsheet 
basically what you do is you tell your school you want to enter the transfer portal and then Gandalf, no I'm kidding, um, they put your name into the spreadsheet and then teams can look on the spreadsheet and then look you up, go look at your huddle, engage with you from, from the spreadsheet. The spreadsheet will have like your information, your school eligibility, um, if you have the hardship waiver or will be eligible for the hardship waiver, stuff like that. So it's not as sexy as the name sounds. I know when I heard the transfer portal, I thought it was like this place or like like a thing that was kind of tangible, but it, it really is just a Microsoft Excel spreadsheet with names. And, and it is actually kind of weird because it's not all high profile players. I know we'll get into the high profile players here in a second, but there's players from like central Arkansas and even division two schools that I see in the transfer portal. So the, the ramifications aren't just the power five schools. This goes all the way down to division two. So, uh, yeah, and that's, and that's the thing with the, with the transfer is I will say, I mean, a lot of the guys we're going to talk about are guys that, you know, might be running from the competition at some of the bigger schools, but then, of course, you have guys that they might think that they're not good enough to play the bigger school and they want to either drop down to, like, group of five school or the FCS level or guys from the FCS level that want to come up. So, so a lot of the transfers are certainly beneficial and to some of the guys it makes a ton of sense. Uh, so there's definitely a lot of layers. And especially, like you said, with the quarterback position, it's – I mean, outside of kicker, it's the only position where there's one starter. It's just you. You know, receiver, there's two or three. You know, lineman, there's five. D lineman, there's three. So if you don't make the starting job, it's not like other positions where you can crack it by changing and playing guard or tackle. It's, it really is if, if it's you, it's you. If it's not, then you're, you're, you're not the guy. So first instance, we will go with uh, Justin Fields, who was at the University of Georgia and now is at the University of Ohio State. So I'll just give a little bit of background to uh, his situation. He was the number two recruit in the nation behind Trevor Lawrence in last, not this recruiting class, the one before it. Went to Georgia, which kind of confused me when I saw him sign because Jake Fromm had essentially done the undoable and unseated the guy in front of him as a true freshman the year before. So for Justin Fields to come in, unless he thought he was going to do what Fromm did to the guy before him, there was no way he was going to unseat him for the starting job. So really did confuse me as to why he signed with Georgia. Um, but I guess it's just a nod to how strong the Georgia recruiting really is. I have had friends who have played at Georgia and they really said that like when they bring you in on your visit like Georgia is the best in the country even better than Alabama which really really did surprise me but when I see a guy like this sign to Georgia it makes sense so um while he was at Georgia you could really see that they made an attempt uh to put him on the field he played in every single game except for two uh he even played in that game uh against Alabama when he had the fake punt. I think we all remember that. They went for it on fourth and 11, and Justin Fields got the ball and got trash in the backfield, and that was kind of the end of the game. Um, so they definitely used him in packages throughout the year, which um, as a former player, to me, that kind of signals that, you know, they're trying to get him in the game, trying to appease him so that he doesn't leave, because with how Fromm played, there's no way that they're gonna let him not play. You know, that, that makes sense. And he's going to have to at least sit until Fromm declares and leaves or gets injured. So him being at Georgia and getting used sparingly, I understand why he decided to enter the portal. I know you talked about you'd love to see guys stay and fight it out. This is definitely a situation where I see where Fields could have stayed and maybe he couldn't, could have beaten out Fromm. But we'll talk about a little later how Ohio State is structured. It actually is a much better opportunity for him now. But how do you feel about him leaving and kind of his his stint at Georgia. Yeah, I mean, look, you, you said it all. It, 
him leaving makes sense because Jake Fromm is now entering his junior season. He's well established. He is the guy, and really, barring an injury, Fields wasn't going to unseat him at this point. But that takes me back to your initial point: is his decision to sign there initially never really made sense. I believe Jacob Eason was still there. He was. He was actually verbally committed. So even though it was likely that Eason was going to leave, you still had Eason and Fromm both in front of Fields. So it was always a weird decision. You know, I totally understand why he would want to leave. He wants to play immediately. For Ohio State, obviously it's a big move. He gets to replace Dwayne Haskins, even though they might have had a Dwayne Haskins replacement already in place. The thing that I want to see with Fields is we have no idea what this guy can do throwing the football. He threw 39 passes last year. He wasn't really given much of a chance. I know he was the number two quarterback coming out of high school. So he'll go to a new team, a new system. He'll start from day one. He'll lose week two against Cincinnati. <laughs> they also, you know, they have a new head coach in place. So there's a there's kind of a new structure in Ohio State. Um, I know they're losing a lot of guys to the, to the pros. So I'm certainly really intrigued see what Fields does because Ohio State seems to always have a good quarterback. <laughs> and, we'll and all things kind of point to him being the starter because initially he was going to have to sit out a year as all players have to when they transfer from FBS to FBS. But there was an incident during the Tennessee game where a Georgia baseball player actually um, used a racial slur uh, in relation to Justin Fields. And because of that, the Fields family and their lawyer was able to get the hardship waiver and Justin Fields will be able to play immediately next season. So all things are pointing towards him being the starter for Ohio State next season. He's not going to have to sit out. He will be, you know, he has the keys to a whole new era of football at Ohio State with the Ryan Day era starting and you know, that's very, very exciting and a little nervous for me because how do you replace Urban Meyer? But he goes to a much better situation, in my opinion, a much more exciting situation. And while I think Georgia will be a better team next season and probably the season after that, if his ultimate goal is to go to the NFL and to get the spotlight that he needs to be the top 10 pick or, or any pick in, in, in the NFL draft, Ohio State is a much better decision than Georgia. Plain and simple, regardless of what that baseball player said or didn't say, regardless of anything, Ohio State, if you look at every school in the country, given the hardship waiver, that's the best situation for him. How do you feel, Mike? Oh, I totally agree. I think, you know, if all feelings and thoughts about Georgia and Fields aside, there's pro outside of Oklahoma, there's probably no better fit for Fields than Ohio State. Um, you know, I think they both deserve credit for making the right decision. I think he'll certainly learn a lot from Ryan Day. It's obviously a place where, like you said, he'll get the exposure he wants. Um, you know, if, if being in the draft means something to him, you're going to get all the exposure in the world being in Ohio State. Here's a fun fact about Ohio State and exposure and Big Ten quarterbacks in general. Dwayne Haskins is almost certainly going to be a first-round pick in a couple of months. He's going to be the first Big Ten quarterback drafted in the first round since Kerry Collins in 1995. Yeah, that's crazy. I had saw. I think you, you or someone had tweeted that stat. That is, wow, you said 1995, correct? 1995. That is a wild wow. stat. So that's my whole lifetime. And that's not a reflection on Justin Fields not being drafted in the first round. To me, it's just wild that there hasn't been a quarterback good enough to right to get drafted. I, I think Fields certainly can replicate that though at Ohio State. He's around. He has. You know, I know they're losing something to the NFL, but they they always replenish and they'll always have enough weapons. 
Yeah, they're they're like one of the blue chip schools that they're never depleted. They just reload every year. So I'm excited for them. I'm excited also for the Ryan Day era. It's a new coach and a new beginning for that team. And sky's the limit. Uh, what do you think their record's going to be next year? I'm I'm thinking like nine nine and three. You know, it's hard to say what their record is. I am going to say this on February twenty fourth. I'm going <laughs> on record so that they will lose week two. I've said this several times. I'm just going to keep putting myself out there. All right. Play my Cincinnati Bearcats and the Bearcats' whole coaching staff plays for the Buckeyes. They're all a bunch of uh, Ohio State alums, including the head coach Luke Fickle and the defensive coordinator Marcus Freeman, who turned down a job offer from Ryan Day this offseason. It's a really, it was a very young team that returns almost everybody from an 11-win team. We get them week two. We get UCLA the week before, which is a good, you know, a good tune-up, better than an FCS game, better than a uh, Florida Atlantic game, which is what Ohio State has. <laughs> I think we can take advantage of Justin Fields still kind of getting a feel for you know playing a whole game, and I think Cincinnati can pull off the upset. All right, we'll see. I'll definitely be praying for you. So we're going to move on to someone who I thought was going to be a transfer last season but decided to stay at his school. We're talking about Jalen Hurts from the University of Alabama, who is now at Oklahoma replacing Kalamari. So huge. Um I just want to say I thought he was going to transfer last season after the national championship game, and I think it's just a nod to how you know how how much character he has to stick it out, get your degree. You know he graduated in three years from Alabama, get your degree, and then you know regardless of the transfer portal, he would get immediate eligibility and be able to transfer right away because of how quickly and how well he was as a student. So him being at Oklahoma, uh, we all know that the past two Heisman Trophy winners have been transfers to the University of Oklahoma. So, you know, if things all go in line, maybe we have a, another Heisman Trophy winner. But I don't think that's going to be the case. Uh, Jalen Hurts, at his time at Alabama, threw 40 touchdowns to 10 interceptions, 1,809 yards on the ground with 21 touchdowns. So he's been so much more of a runner than a passer over the last two seasons. He's also thrown... 4,800 yards over two seasons, which isn't that impressive. I know Tua was north of 3,000 in one season this year. So he really needs to throw the ball downfield, which is why I'm happy he's at Oklahoma, because this is the school that will force him to throw the ball downfield, because that's what they primarily do every single down. And him being a runner will kind of be more of him extending plays than running down the field, which I think will bode well to him being an NFL quarterback. So I just want to ask... In terms of fit, how do you like him at Oklahoma? And do you think this is going to be the most successful season you've seen from Jalen Hurts? I'm not sure if it's going to be the most successful. I'm not completely sold. But I do think it's a great fit because Lincoln Riley is one of those coaches that, you know, he's not going to shoehorn Hurts into his offense. He's going to look at Hurts. He's going to go watch the tape. I'm sure he already has. He's going to go back and look at the tape from Alabama that 24-2 and two run he went on in two years, which included a national championship. And he's going to go see what he does right, what he does wrong, and he's going to go build an offense around his strengths and weaknesses because that's what Lincoln Riley does. So I definitely think he's going to have a lot of success. I hear you on this on his stats. I don't think, and I don't think Oklahoma is going to have a third straight Heisman. Not a reflection on him simply because there are so many guys, quarterback-wise, running backs that are returning that could be in the mix for Heisman, but he's going to put up a crazy amount of yards because, you know, Big 12 defense is... Suspect. And, what we've seen, and just what we've seen from Oklahoma in the last few years, I just, I think it's a perfect fit for him. And like you said, 
kudos to the kid who he stuck it out at Alabama. He got his degree, so he's a grad transfer. So he's certainly free to do what he wants without any criticism. And you know, he stuck it out despite the fact that he was the backup all year last year. He played a huge role in the SEC title game. He so, did, and, and to speak and to speak more on his character, he never once showed any sort of disdain towards Tua. If anything, he was supportive. He was the veteran. Like I can't talk well enough about his character i don't know if i would have acted the same i'm much more of a prima donna um so i uh, you know i kind of tear up when i watched how he handled Tua winning the national championship because he was just so happy for his teammate and i i i want him to win the heisman next year i he's first team all character in my book no matter what happens next season and um i want to do a prediction on how oklahoma will do next season and i'm gonna jump the gun and say they will make the college football playoff they will play alabama and they will upset them next year call it way too early way too early that's christian's prediction all right so make sure you keep tuning in to college football and rap because at the end of february we are making some really bold predictions here i am i feel um, it i feel it in my bones I haven't fully dissected the Oklahoma schedule. I see them, you know, I think 10 and 2 at worst, probably 11 to 1 at best. They'll certainly be in contention for the college football playoff. I, I think they'll win the Big 12. I think it comes down to, you know, what's everybody else doing? Are there two or three SEC teams in the mix? What's going on in the Big 10 and with Clemson? So they'll certainly be in the mix. I'm not buying. The Texas is back nonsense. I yeah, never mind the Texas is back nonsense. And I'm going to stick with Oklahoma to win the Big 12 over Texas. Although I do reserve the right to switch that. <laughs> August rolls around. It is. A spring spring ball has not even gone underway yet. There's no spring practices. This is my way, our way too early <laughs> predictions. But I will say he is a veteran. I do think in terms of the regular season, I trust Jalen to handle the schedule and get themselves to back back to the playoff with how much of a veteran he is so the next person on our list is a person who tweeted on his twitter how he wasn't going to transfer because he had been at the school for two years he had already put in the work and he wasn't scared but when justin fields transferred to ohio state he quickly turned turned to the transfer portal and left even though he said he wouldn't and the person i'm talking about is tate the great martell now, the first time I had heard this name, I was weirdly on YouTube looking up how 13-year-olds were getting scholarships to Alabama, and it was just the weirdest thing I'd ever seen. And Tate, when he was 12 years old, got a scholarship from Sarkeesian to the University of Washington. So at 12 years old, Tate received his first Division I scholarship, and 10 years, 9 years later, he still has not cracked the starting role in a college football team. So... Kind of deflating if at 12 years old you said you were going to be the next coming of Jesus in college football and you're in your third year and you still haven't even cracked the starting role. But Tate is still very, very talented. He came from Bishop Gorman, which if anyone who follows high school football is one of the magnet high school programs in the country. Very, very good. He basically played in like the prep program in high school. So he's very talented. I've watched a lot of film on him. He's very electric like almost johnny menzel like at times he's very very good not the tallest person but with kyler murray let's be honest that doesn't matter anymore so he transferred from the university of ohio state to the u now when he was being recruited 
it's kind of one of those things where it's either Ohio State or the U. Um, I know USC was also in the mix, but I know with a lot of the guys who have entered the transfer portal, a lot of the schools that they are going to have been schools that were closely in contention when they were being recruited the first time. So it's very, very obvious why he went to Miami. It's also like one of the funnest schools in the country to go to, um, one of the funnest cities in the country to go to if anyone's ever been to Miami. But regardless, he's going into Miami hasn't been the most solid team in the past couple of years. I know with coaches, they've been kind of tumultuous. So the fit is a little bit questionable. Um, since Brad Kaya has been gone, I, I haven't really liked any of them. So he could come in. Um, there's rumors that he could get the hardship waiver. Um, if take gets the hardship waiver, let's be honest, the hardship waiver is pointless because anyone who's upset would then get the hardship waiver. So I, I agree. Just throwing it down at that point. Yeah, like just 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 get rid of it. If you give Tate because if you give him the transfer if you give him the waiver, that's just the NCAA saying, Hey, we want more money. We want the best players on the field now. We don't want him to sit out. We're just gonna give it to him because he's upset. And I'm okay with that, but then just call a spade a spade and just get rid of that rule altogether because then it's pointless. You're just going to make this generation seem even softer. Oh, he gets the hardship waiver. No, just get rid of the rule and just allow him to transfer or force him to stick by the rule because what is hardship then at that point? You know, what? when is the line? Being upset is the line. Being someone better than me coming to my school is now hardship, which is, which is in, in my opinion, bullshit. Um, I know we talked about this off of the air too. That's like Tate's kind of like the worst of the portal, in my opinion. It's, oh my God, this guy's coming. I don't even want to compete with him. I'm gone, you know? Doesn't even want to compete. Doesn't even want to stick through spring ball. He could have went through spring and done the same thing he's doing right now. So I like this kid on film, but his whole situation kind of frustrates me because he's going to Miami just to get away from Ohio State. So I don't like the fit. I hope he doesn't get the hardship waiver, but I wish the best of him. I hope in 2020 or 2021 that he's one of the top prospects and actually does well at Miami. But I think he needs to sit himself down. I think he needs to sit out a whole year and kind of grow and mature. I don't think allowing this kid to play right away would be the best thing for him. Now, I kind of talked a lot. Mike, how do you feel about Tate the Great? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm mostly on the same page with you. I, I don't – this one bothers me because – this one bothers me because he was vocal about it. I mean, he came out and publicly defended himself saying he's not relinquishing his spot to someone else. So we talk about running away from the competition, and Justin Fields did it. And Justin Fields found himself the right fit. And Justin Fields running away, I mean, it made sense. I don't want to say running away. He at least competed. He at least went there for a year and competed. Yeah, and, you know, he's not going to beat out Jake Fromm. That's just the fact of life. And he wants to play. So good for him. I'm not 100% sold that Justin Fields would have started. I mean, I love Fields. And I said that it's a perfect fit. But it's a perfect fit because Tate Martell is gone. I would have loved to see these two compete. Exactly. I didn't. And this time, before Dwayne Haskins won the job, people were being like, is it Tate? Is it Dwayne? So they were like, he could have won the job last year. People didn't know. Or Joe Burrow. He was also in the mix. Yeah, right. funny to think about. But I just, I mean, look, like I said with everybody else, it is what it is. And, you know, Martel is free to make his decision. I think I, where I disagree is I actually think he will be a good fit for Miami. You mentioned Brad Kaya. I think he'll... You know, he'll blow Brad Kaya out of the water. Even though we haven't seen much from Martel, I do. I mean, he should be sitting this year. They're really. For maturity. Fields had a reason. Fields 
there was, you know, there was discrimination against Justin Fields, unfortunately, in Georgia, and that's why he got the hardship. But with Tate Martell, I mean, what are you going to blame it on the coaching change at Ohio State? Are you going to blame it on? I mean, God, that would like it is. He left because Justin Fields came in. I mean, there's no other justification, but you know, it, this it's just it's. This is where we are now with college football in 2019. It's, oh, you're going to bring in somebody else to compete? Screw this, I'm out. Right. At least, because the thing is, he could have stayed this spring. He could have, if he was going to sit out a whole year, sitting out a whole year and doing spring ball at Miami is pointless. You could have at least stayed, won the job at Ohio State, and then you never would have had it left. It's the worst that we have to see from the portal. It's, it's the dark side of the portal where you can say, um, Jalen Hurts would be the, the best that we've seen from the portal, a guy who's going to get a whole new situation, a whole new start, and he deserved it. He got a degree. He stuck it out. He even did some great things as a backup. So don't like how Tate handled this, but I'm still, I, I never root against anyone, especially kids, because the world essentially is still their oyster. They can still turn it around. They can still become a top 10 pick. There is still time. So I'm hoping the coaches get with him over this year. He matures, he sits down and really develops into a quarterback because let's be honest and i'm talking from a former player standpoint i want a quarterback who's mature i don't want someone who's going to be all over the place i want someone who's a man and i want someone i feel comfortable with under center and how he's acted i just wouldn't want him being the quarterback of my team so enough of christian ranting about 19 20 year olds let's talk about someone who also transferred because of someone that came in that was uber talented and i'm talking about kelly bryant kelly bryant was at clemson he is now at the university of missouri he transferred grad transferred so he's going to be able to play right away um the reason why he's transferring is because trevor lawrence as a true freshman unseated him and took the team all the way to a national championship blowout win over alabama so no in my opinion even if kelly bryant stayed even if he grew six inches there's no way he would unseat trevor lawrence as the starting quarterback so for him leaving totally understandable wishing him the best but with his situation he went to the university of missouri and now when i wrote my initial article about kelly bryant missouri had not gotten their bowl ban so for those of you who don't know, Missouri was doing some shady stuff with tutors, turning in assignments, taking tests, and they are now getting a bowl ban from the NCAA. And we had talked about this off the air. I still don't know if he should stay at Missouri. I still think he should stay at spring ball and feel it out. And ultimately, if they don't play in a bowl game, but he throws for 3,000 yards next year, it doesn't matter if they play in the Goodyear All-American Tire Bowl. Missouri's not going to go to the college football playoff if it's a good fit and there's good players and he can showcase his skills. I think he should stay at Missouri. But if it's not a good fit after spring ball, I would like to see Kelly Bryant go down to the FCS level. I wouldn't want to see him try to do the hardship waiver. I would like to see him go down, maybe North Dakota State who needs a quarterback, maybe Eastern Washington, and just light up the FCS level, put all this bullshit beside him, put Clemson, put Missouri beside him, and go and just win a national championship at another level. Now that's a route I don't think he will take. It's kind of off the wall and kind of Christian's weird February way too early takes, but I think he's a quarterback kind of like Jalen Hurts where he is a little bit more of a runner than a passer. He plays super conservative, doesn't throw the ball down the field. So his next opportunity that he goes to, if he wants to go to the NFL, he needs to push the ball down, down, down the field. So Missouri would be a good, good fit for him with Drew Locke. They did a lot of that. So how do you feel about Missouri? How do you feel about Kelly Bryant in the NFL draft next year? Here's my first thing on Kelly Bryant, just to kind of back up to when he did announce his decision to transfer. He did it right before the fifth game because of that new rule 
where you're eligible to play four games and then you can redshirt after that. So he decided in the middle of the, in the middle of the season, he decided to leave after Dabo Sweeney told him that Lawrence is the full-time starter moving forward. And I saw so many people criticizing Bryant for betraying his teammates, for turning his back on his team. The hell with those people. The guy's a kid. He did what he thought was best. No criticism of Clemson and no criticism of anybody. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is amazing. I actually think Kelly Bryant is very good. But he had to do what he felt was best for himself. And I think he saw the writing on the wall as some of these other quarterbacks have that he's not better than Trevor Lawrence. No. He needed another situation. So he left at the time that he did because he wanted to ensure his eligibility for 2019. And good for him. Right. He would have been sinking his own ship if he had stayed. He'd have been like, I'm done with football. I'm going to be a backup, graduate school, and be done if he had stayed. And Jalen Hurts stayed. And you know what? Good for Jalen Hurts for staying. They're, it's two different people, two different situations. I respect what both of them did. I, you know, I, There's no real answer here, but I don't hate what Kelly Bryant did at all. Yeah, neither neither do I. I I mean, he did what he felt was best. Apple Swinney is the one that turns his back on him, rightfully so. But then, why shouldn't Bryant turn around and just leave? So, you know, that to me, that's not an example running from the competition. Lawrence was clearly the better player. He's the best player in the country, in my opinion. I know we talked about on the last podcast. If he win the NFL draft, he'd be the number one pick this year. Yeah, absolutely. And where I don't agree is I think he's going to stay at Missouri if he cared about the fame, if he cared about the bowl games and, you know, competing for the playoffs, he wouldn't have gone to Missouri to begin with. So the fact that he initially went to Missouri, which it was kind of an eye-opener to me, but I think he's going to stay loyal. I think he's going to go to – unless spring bowl goes sideways and goes off the rails, I don't see him removing himself from Missouri. I think he'll be there this fall. He'll play his 12 games and then – you know, he'll get himself ready for the NFL. Missouri just had Drew Locke last year. He's going to be a top, you know, 10, 15 pick. So Missouri, this Missouri staff specifically clearly knows how to get quarterbacks ready for the NFL. Whether they're good in the NFL remains to be seen. But right. he'll get the exposure that he needs playing in the SEC, even though it's still bizarre to think about Missouri in the SEC. He'll get the, the exposure he needs playing those games. No, I agree. And Missouri kind of runs like a Big 12 offense as it's currently constructed. Because weren't they in the Big 12 before they were in the SEC, Mike? They were. So, yeah, they're, it's a perfect kind of like how I said with Jalen. It's a team that's going to force him to throw the ball down the field. It's going to force him to do what he's not good at. And if he wants to go to the NFL, it's going to be like an opportunity for him to grow and to get past what he's not good at. So the next person on our list, going to get a lot younger, going away from those seniors. Talking about Jalen Phillips, who in 2017 was the number one overall recruit in his class. Plays kind of a hybrid defensive and outside linebacker type of position. He's from Southern California um, and then committed to UCLA. I remember I was watching, I'm from Southern California, I watched like a local, they're talking about the local top recruits committing and he played the whole last half of his senior year with a broken hand in a club and I was like, damn, this kid's badass, like total, total like defensive lineman, like gritty, you know, he has the long hair, he's ripped, you know, really, really scary defensive end, but he went to UCLA, USC fan, so I automatically hated him, rooted against him, um, as my upbringing has taught me. Well, he committed to Miami uh, a couple days ago, so he's going from UCLA to the U. He'll join Tate the Great Martell. While he was at UCLA, Phillips kind of had 
a weird kind of time. He played there for two seasons. He was banged up the whole entire time. He only amounted 41 tackles and four and a half sacks, um, played super sparingly. Um, from the film that I saw, it looked like he was a, a package player, which means that he'd only come in for certain situations. But when he was in, he was really dominant. You could tell like his motor, he is just on a whole nother level from how regular players just play. Um, but he's super injury prone to the point where last season he actually medically retired and was done with football altogether. And then recently put his head back in the game, um, no pun intended, and um, enter the transfer portal. I know he was looking at Oregon and Texas A&M, but Miami was one of those schools that was also on the fringe for him while he was being recruited in high school. I know it was UCLA or USC, he wanted to stay home, but Miami was like in his top five. It was really weird to me, but so he's going to Miami. He's getting a chance to restart his career. He had concussion problems, which is always a huge concern for me um, and most of the mothers who have sons who play football. Um, so Hopefully he doesn't take any more hits to the head, um, but I like the fit at Miami. Miami is a place that if you're a pass rusher and you're a dominant D lineman, you can make your money there. How do you feel about Jalen as a whole, and how do you feel about his fit at Miami? I don't really know how I feel about the fit. I mean, he only played 10 games because of the injuries. Theoretically, I like the fit because Manny Diaz is a defensive guy, the new head coach, so he's killing it. Um, with the transfer portal, I know he got a late start recruiting wise. Otherwise, Miami certainly would have been ranked higher than they oh, were. Yeah. But definitely doing what he can to pull in the transfers. It's you know I guess theoretically it's a good fit. I, I'm looking forward to see what he can do with a very good defensive minded head coach. And you know more than anything, honestly, I just wish he's, I want him to be healthy. Yeah, I agree. You know, you know for personal reasons, but also I want to watch him play. I mean, he was the number one player out of high school, so I I guess I care about his health, but I also I want to watch him play. If he's, if he's as good as he's advertised, I want to see what he can do. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I want him to be healthy. I mean, if he's not playing football, I'd rather have him just live his life and be happy, but... He is an absolute tear. Like I said about his motor, he just moves at a level that is just God-given. You can't teach that. So wishing him to stay healthy. Healthy. Hopefully Miami is the kickstart to his career that he needs. And I wish him all the best, especially now that he's not at UCLA and that I don't have to root against him. We're going to go to someone who was barely even in college before he used the portal. I'm going to go on a limb and say he was probably the youngest person to use the portal so far. And we're talking about Brew Bruh. Bruh McCoy. I don't know how to say his name, but it no be one does, but it's not B R U H. No, it's just B R U. It's just B R U. His name's B R U. Yeah. Bruh. Bru well, that name should sound familiar, McCoy. Yeah. <laughs> Bruh yeah, McCoy, we we can all say that, but weird, cool, interesting first name. Um so this kid was the five was a five star wide receiver, the ninth overall prospect in the recruiting class that just happened. So he signed with USC. Um, more notably, Cliff Kingsbury was the offensive coordinator at USC. In his very brief, 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 brief tenure at USC, he had influence over the recruiting class um, because of just when he was there at, was during the national signing date time. He got brew to sign with usc over texas even though texas was the place that a lot of us thought he was going to land um but cliff is a very charismatic guy um obviously and got him to go to usc and then when cliff left usc after his brief 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 brief, brief tenure um to go to the cardinals so did bruh 
Bruh left, Brew left and entered the portal and is now at Texas. It was one of the shortest tenures in the portal too. I know he was in there only for a couple days and then he was at Texas. I don't even think he, he was at USC for like a couple months and then is, was gone. It, it was just so, so weird um, how this has happened. I understand why I... I can imagine Cliff probably promised him everything over the moon, and then when Cliff left, you know, kind of felt like a stab in the back. So I understand his point of view, but this is just the 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 the, the craziness of the portal. Is this guy was barely even in college to begin with. He was an early signee, and um, just just crazy to me. How do you feel about this, Mike? Yeah, I mean that's just an example of a guy committing to a coach and not a school. I agree. Which I'm not always a fan of, but. You know, this coaching turnover every single year now, so kind of it, it, it happens. Um, and I, I understand it to an extent because to me, USC was the biggest loser of the offseason, keeping yeah. Clay Helton, until they hired Cliff Kingsbury. I thought it was a home run. I thought it was a job-saving move by Helton, and I thought Kingsbury would be you know, a, the wonder boy for USC and really elevate this offense. So his departure had major ramifications. Not only yeah. did they lose you know, their first guy at OC, but obviously they lose one of their best recruits. Yeah. And like you said, that that is what was going to save Clay Helton. I was always on the uh, get rid of Helton and bring in Jack Del Rio uh, off-season move, but it is what it is. They decided to keep him. Um, I think this will be his last season as the USC head coach, especially now that Cliff isn't here. Um, I thought with Cliff, like you said, it, the young quarterback we have with all the talent and the recruiting tools at USC, I thought this was something that you know could have been something great. And now he's going to go suck for the Cardinals and that's going to be its own bag of tricks. And I think we're going to use this to transfer over to talking about Cliff. Um, how do you feel about him being the head coach of the Cardinals? I know that him looking kind of like Sean McVay helps him out in the, uh, in the NFL head coaching carousel but god i'm just so i don't blame him i do not blame him if you sucked as a head coach in college and then you got a head coaching job at a better level i would take it too <laughs> right well the fascinating thing to me from the usc standpoint so they lost cliff kingsbury so they went with the next best thing another former texas tech quarterback that played for mike leach i didn't even know that graham harrell was a coach anywhere <laughs> i remember he was a player he was famous for that touchdown pass to to Crabtree on a Saturday night on ABC. Mm -hmm. I had no apparently he's been North Texas's offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach the last three years. I, I didn't even know that until And North Texas has been horrible. Day. They have not been they've been good this past year, but the past three years they have not been good at all. Yeah, well they were pretty good this year. Mason yeah, this year they're pretty good. Quarterback, but you know, at the end of the day, USC with all their credentials and prestige and history yeah. is poaching a coach from North Texas. So yeah, I'm one about Graham Harrell, but it's just, it's a weird, weird move. Mm -hmm. um, Kingsbury, I mean, yeah, the guy went 35 and 40 as head coach at the college level, but look, I'm going to give, I w I'm going to wait and see what happens because there's a lot there on the college level. You know, there's the recruiting and getting kids to buy in and love it, Texas. I don't know if you've ever been there. I never have. I probably never will. No. I've been to some shitty towns in Texas, so I can imagine. Yeah, so you can imagine it's not hard to, it's not that easy to get 18 year olds to commit no. four years of yeah. their life or one year until they go to the portal of their life <laughs> to, to come play in Lubbock, Texas. And knowing that you're going to have to play against Texas and Oklahoma every year. And, you know, 
for Kingsbury, we know what he can do offensively. We know he's a wizard, and the Cardinals certainly need a lot of help. He brought in Vance Joseph as a defensive corner. I like that. I like the fact that he's a former head coach. So as long as Kingsbury kind of leaves the defense, the defense yeah, is about- his thing on offense. He doesn't have to worry about recruiting, and he also doesn't have to worry about free agency. They have, you know, a whole front office of scouts and uh, experienced personnel men. That's the biggest difference between the NFL and colleges. He's not going out to different kids' houses to recruit them. Exactly. He just has to ask. He just has to ask, ask 25, 26 year old established players. Hey, do you want to take our ten million, or do you want to take someone else's ten mil? Exactly. So I think he will actually have a surprising amount of success in the NFL, if and only if he doesn't even talk to the defense. Let someone else run it. Let someone else call the plays. And that's what Sean McVay does. Sean McVay is his right? first year. I think he sat on the bench. I don't even think he watched the games. He just let Wade Phillips, you know, do his thing. And it worked. I mean, yeah. It works. And so I know you talked. You talked about how they have the whole front office handling the draft analysis, handling free agency. I know Cliff had made a comment when he was the head coach of Texas A&M that he would take Kyler Murray number one. Now come full circle, he has the number one pick. They will not allow him to take Kyler Murray number one in the draft. No way. No way. No way. If Josh Rosen is on the roster, if he okay, if if somehow they let him draft Kyler Murray, we have Browns 2.0 in Arizona. It would be a stupid decision. I know we're, I'm gonna use this to segue into our top ten. Uh, we're gonna give you guys a little bit of a mock draft right here, top ten picks. But no way, Cliff takes Kyler Murray number one. There's so many holes on that team. If he takes him number one, this is the biggest circus in the NFL. Far and none. I don't know if they're eligible for hard knocks, but they should get it if they draft him. They're actually not eligible. I think there's a rule where if you have a new head coach, oh, you can't. You're right because they want the new coaching staff, you know, teaching stuff and acclimating to their players. Here's the thing: he made that comment in October. He made that comment three months before he ever thought he'd be fired from Texas Tech. Before he ever thought he'd be coaching the team with the number one pick, he probably meant it. I mean. I, if I needed a quarterback and I had the number one pick, I would probably take. Okay. But you don't need a quarterback. But right, and that's and I think that's the thing that people are struggling to understand. In a perfect world, of course you're going to take Kyler Murray over Josh Rosen. Right. But this isn't a perfect world, and the truth is, if you dump Josh Rosen after whatever it was, 12, 14 starts, you're not getting anything for him, no. and you're wasting another first round pick, which you traded up a quarterback. When you, the Cardinals need everything right now. Yeah. They obviously need to fill up the defense. They need a line. If anything, they should be trading down to acquire more picks. I, I agree. Don't think, I don't think they will do that unless somebody really wants to move up for the quarterback, but they need help everywhere. And I think, to me, the whole point of hiring Kingsbury is to work with your offense. I and agree. Josh Rosen's not a bad quarterback. No. He was terrible last year. but The whole team was terrible. But you know what? So was Trubisky. Yeah. So was Josh. Jared Goff. And exactly. Look what these guys did when they got rid of the old, the old school defensive minded guy and brought in the young offensive guru. So I think Josh Rosen will be fine. I think quarterback. I agree. Is the of their concerns. And my friend, the, you are on the clock. If you were the Arizona Cardinals, I'll let you kick off our mock draft. 
I think this will take two seconds. As soon as I am on the clock, I'm off the clock. It is Nick Bosa. Most talented overall player in this draft. Yes, he has the injury concerns. There's no player on this draft board that doesn't have some sort of concern. But if all it is is an injury concern, with what he's shown me, he is a transcendent defensive player. He's someone I can plug in, whether it's a 3-4 defensive end outside linebacker 4-3 in the dirt defensive end he is a transcendent player i want him on my team i want him signed to a contract i don't want any of the contract dispute that he had with when joey with the chargers i want him on my team i want him in my facility right now as soon as i can get him in there two seconds after the draft i want him on a plane to my facility what about you no no i have nothing to add <laughs> i'm drinking nick Bosa, like you said i'm not even hesitating We'll see what happens with the combine coming up in a couple of weeks. I'm not. I'm gonna assume he's not working out. It. It's just doesn't have to. His whole final season. I would have loved to see what he could do there. I agree. But there's enough tape on him, and you know, I if I would, yeah, if I'm the mm-hmm. Cardinals. I'm taking Nick Bosa number one. As a form, really thinking twice about it. As a, as a former offensive lineman, it's one of those things where I, I see him go like three or four plays and I see him come off the ball and I just shut the film off. I'm like, okay, I've seen what I need to see. I would never want to block him. He is so fucking good. Draft him right now. That's all I need and to see from him. It's their biggest need too. You don't want oh, to yeah. use the number one pick to fill a need. You want the best player available, but what if it's both? What if right? the best player available is your biggest need and they desperately need pass rushing help. And if Cliff Kingsbury wants to be successful... That's how you get successful, is you draft the best player available who fits the biggest need on your team. Right. I don't really think there's much and the, if he's healthy this kid's a star i don't see i see very low bust potential in terms of talent it's going to be riding on if he can stay healthy which let's be honest that the whole bosa family that's been the knock on them is staying healthy so gonna transfer over to the number two pick who i think this is such a lock uh even though it's san francisco 49ers have drafted defensive linemen or something of that nature in the past four years three four years I think they take Josh Allen, quarterback. No, I'm kidding. Josh Allen, the <laughs> linebacker, who I think will be drafted higher and will be a little bit better his first year than Josh Allen, the quarterback. But Josh Allen, the linebacker out of Kentucky, this dude had 17 sacks this past season. I kind of saw his name pop up and I was like, haha, funny, you know, but I'd never seen the film on him. Oh my freaking God. He is amazing. He can rush the ball. He can guard tight ends. Part of the film that I was watching, there was two plays where um, it was a fade in the back of the end zone, and he's covering a linebacker, and he makes a play on the ball in coverage. His big lengthy ass in coverage makes a saving touchdown play against Texas A&M. It was so. Oh, like I, I couldn't even. I couldn't even. Uh, like he is. If Nick Bosa wasn't here, he'd be the number one person in this draft. He is. He's older, you know, he's a senior. He, if you look at his stats, he's progressively gotten better every single year. And then this year he's just blown up. But when he put that weight on, when he got up, I think this past off season, they said he gained 17 pounds or 18 pounds. When he put that weight on with his speed, he is unblockable. Some of his sacks, he's not even touched. He literally is so fast and he can bend so well that he does, he isn't even touched. And this is SEC offensive linemen. This is, you know, the top tier of the linemen. You know, I know the Big Ten, I would put them a little bit ahead of the SEC. But you get some of the premier offensive linemen, and he's dusting them. Especially Jawan Taylor from Florida. He had one or two sacks against Jawan Taylor specifically. And that guy is on my top ten. 
So that just shows you that he is getting sacks against top tier talent. Who is your pick at number two, Mike? Or do you, do you agree with me? Hashtag draft Josh Allen year two. Well, I didn't agree, but I think you just sold me that. Yes. Now, the number two pick. I actually, I had Allen going three. And there's one, one thing to say about Josh Allen real quick is to the point of everything you just said. He's unbelievable. And I listened to a lot of sports talk radio here in New York. And I was listening to Bart Scott a couple of weeks ago. And he was going off about the idea that the Jets might take Josh Allen, which is where I have him going next. And Bart Scott's whole thing was the Jets have a history of taking these guys that blow up, you know, at the combine and during the workouts and these guys that were anonymous during the season. Well, Bart Scott showed his card. He doesn't watch college football. Because <laughs> Josh Allen, I watched a lot of his games, was unbelievable with the 17 sacks he played. 13 games each of the last three years. And then seven sacks since a sophomore and a junior. So he is yep. not a one-hit wonder. No. He's not a guy that came onto the radar as a senior and is not one of those like combine buffs. Josh Allen is great. He's I, film. Well, I won't be surprised if he goes number two, but I'm giving the nod as of right now to Quinn and Williams, who is the only guy to receive a vote for the Heisman, the only defensive player to receive a vote for the Heisman this past season. Um. I just I think the Niners need help in a lot of different places. So many. I think Williams helps fill a void in the middle, and it, it'll help improve the secondary by default. It'll help make the linebackers better. I, the way that he can, you know, the way he attacks the quarterback. He did have eight sacks from the defensive tackle position last year. He's just a force to be reckoned with at Alabama. For a lot of the same things that you were saying about Allen, um, you know, he's attacking. The interior line of SEC offensive line. So, yeah, quit- I'm going Williams at two, and then I'm going Allen, Josh Allen at three to the Jets. Those are certainly interchangeable picks. So yeah, I, I, I will, neither will surprise me. There's not really much to add. I mean, you gave the perfect explanation for Josh Allen. I think we're both in agreement that he's an outstanding linebacker, and he's going to be a. I, She's gonna be a star in this league. Yeah, I agree. Uh, we're so we're flipped. I have Williams at three to the to the Jets. Yeah, he's a little bit younger. Um, he's one. He's a redshirt sophomore, so he's only played two years, but he's three years removed from high school. I just want to see a, all like a Williams defensive line with him and Leonard Williams. I think that'd be cool. You know, just to see the last names together. Um, <laughs> I mean, it would be cool for other reasons. Too. Oh yeah, I mean they're just freaking ballers. <laughs> Oh yeah, that would be uh, in my notes. I put a a poor man's version of Donald and Sue, um, if they were to draft. So super talented kid. Um, he says Kyler Murray, Calamari, and that's when I decided that I love the kid. Um, he is a baller. He's young. He is he. When I look at him, he doesn't like look like he's finished puberty. Like it looks like he has a little bit left to develop, and which is scary because he's already such a freaking big human being. So I have him at number three. For all the same reasons, he's interior defensive lineman who gets sacks. One of the hardest things to find in the NFL, and when you find it, you freaking get it and you pay it. So I think they get him. They knock it out of the park, and they they kind of solidify that D-line and use that money and free agency to solidify the offensive line, get Le'Veon Bell and stuff like that. So we're going to move on to number four, a team that is in utter disarray for many reasons, the Oakland Raiders. I think they take Jonah Williams from Alabama. Jonah Williams is, I mean, I love Alabama offensive linemen. I think they are just a solid pick, just like any Big Ten offensive lineman. Jonah Williams is super crafty. Um, he plays tackle and guard. I think in the NFL, he pro- uh, projects more as a guard. Um, so when you move him into that 
Oakland offensive line that has Colton Miller, who they drafted last year. They have Osmili Kalichi, who is one of the highest paid offensive guards in the NFL, who's a freaking baller. You add in William, you add in uh, Jonah Williams, and you have a surefire offensive line. Whether you can get Marshawn Lynch to come back, whether you draft another running back, get a running back in uh, free agency, if you get him, you have a solid, young offensive line. And in the NFL, that is something that you can't put a dollar value on. And when you're the Oakland Raiders, you have so many holes to sure up the offensive line and to have a quarterback. Those two things are the hardest things to find in the NFL. And with them going through a rebuild to have those two positions already locked in, I think that's the move for them. What do you think, Mike? So this is an interesting spot because I think we're in agreement that Bostel Williams and Allen are kind of a notch below, notch above everybody else. Yeah. So a lot of different things that happen with the Raiders, they do have three first-round picks and they have so many needs. I'm going to give my pick in a second, but I think this is the spot where there's a trade. I think Haskins and Tyler Murray go here. I know we're not doing this mock with trades, but we established the Cardinals have Rosen. Niners have Garoppolo, Jets have Darnold. I'd be surprised if any of those, unless one of those teams were blown out of the water to move down, I think they'd be better off taking the defensive guy. Raiders won't take the quarterback, but assuming they're not making a trade here, I have to take in Cleland Barrow from Clemson just because Ooh, they interesting. need pass, rusher, mm-hmm. pass rushers. This might be a little bit high for Barrow. I want to see how the combine yeah. kind of shakes no, out. I've seen him anywhere from 5 to 23 in mock yeah, drafts. I, I just, they need pass rushing help. So. I agree. I have Barrel here. I think it's a weird spot right now because I think you're going to hear a lot of speculation about this pick mm-hmm. moving. I would, just with all the needs that the Raiders need, it would not surprise me to see a team like the Giants or the Jaguars or some wild card team kind of slide in there at four and the Raiders just acquire more and more picks throughout this draft. No, I agree. When, when Gruden got rid of their two star players that aren't at quarterback, it signals to me that he just wants picks to just build this team in his image and that would go in line with what he's done so far so to go to number five the tampa bay buccaneers i also spelled buccaneers wrong in my notes i think it's hilarious but uh, i never know how to spell it is it i always use two c's yeah. and two n's so let's use let's use spell check real quick you spell it b-u-c-c-a-n-e-e-r-s I put, I put two N's. I put a K in there. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I'm not that bad. I have two N's, I think, which is Yeah. I, I also, I eat chalk for breakfast. I'm the Tide Pod kid, so um, that's me. Um, but at number five, I have them taking Greedy Williams from LSU. The defensive backfield for Tampa is very, very old. Not a lot of talent. And I think Greedy is someone who is, well, he's a redshirt sophomore, so obviously he's young, but he's so loaded with talent. If Ed Ogeron is the coach at LSU, I put my stamp of approval behind every defensive player that comes out from that school. I, being from Louisiana and knowing so many, so many players on LSU, I cannot put a higher nod on a school that produces defensive talent currently than LSU. I think those kids under Ed Ogeron are coached very, very well. I think if you're getting recruited to play defense at LSU, you're freaking talented. So any defensive player that comes out, I give my nod on them. Greedy Williams to the Buccaneers, lock it in. It's going to happen. No, what, I fully agree. Um, the Bucs gave up. The Bucs were 26th in the league with just nine interceptions out of their defense. And they gave up 34 touchdowns, which is 30th in the league. I just think, I mean, their defense is terrible. I love the idea of adding some youth and some energy to that backfield. And, yeah, I'm fully 
everybody on board is really why it's to the box. Yeah, that team. Also, another team I can see trading up or trading down. They have a lot of question marks, especially a quarterback. I'm not sure where the GM's head at. If I'm the GM, I'm sticking with Fitzpatrick or Winston for another year, and I'm loading up on other positions on the field. I agree. And another thing with the box, I see it being Greedy Williams, but again, I'm going to keep citing the combine. I want to see what happens over the next few weeks with these workouts. Byron Murphy is a name that I keep reading about, and I want to kind of dive into further over time. The cornerback out of Washington, I can see him sneaking into the top 10. And if he tests really well, I can see him flying up the board to number five. That seems aggressive at this stage, but with a few months to the draft, won't be surprised to hear the name Byron Murphy. Okay. A lot. Lock it in. His mustache is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) So going on to quarterbacks, we have the New York Giants. I every single mock draft I have seen, I have not seen one that has said differently. Dwayne Haskins to the New York Giants. I, if I was a GM, I would not pick a quarterback. I would run again with Eli, suck one more year, and get my quarterback next year. But if they are hell-bent on getting a quarterback this year, whether to save their job or to save face, they're going to go Dwayne Haskins. Kyler Murray does not fit in New York as well as Dwayne Haskins does. Both. He does, he does not that's no. an unbelievable it, statement. It just doesn't. And I honestly wouldn't want him around Odell and Saquon either. I would want someone like Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins seems like a rock. He seems like someone who, you know, when the when the pressure was turned up, he kind of has that, from what I've seen, the Mamba mentality. He kind of, you know, locks in, stares you down, and wants, you know, to put that dagger in the heart. And I just think that is what New York needs. And oh my God, I just want to comment on something that Stephen A. Smith said. He said that Dwayne Haskins is more of a runner. Um, (laughs) I think that is so egregious. That plays into the narrative that uh, African-American quarterbacks are runners, not passers. And if you have eyeballs, if you just have eyeballs, he is kind of slow. He has an amazing arm, an amazing quarterback, but he's anything but a runner. He had like 109 rushing yards. Like that is the most ignorant statement by a person who preaches to not be ignorant based on color and i just think that dwayne uh this dwayne haskins thing is the largest indictment this year to stephen a smith among many 109 yards on the season it's worth just clarifying because there are cornerbacks like hurts or like murray that can run for 109 yards in a game right so right <laughs> unbelievable yeah dwayne haskins that, i remember seeing some tweets his players were ripping on him the center said, yo, I can run faster than you. Right. Mean, Someone he's not fast, and he's not trying to embrace being fast. Someone made a highlight tape for him, and it was like two clips. <laughs> it was the funniest <laughs> thing. It was freaking hilarious. But And it said he has that mama mentality. It's that Simba mentality. That's S- his Twitter name. I love it. Oh, I love um, it. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's, there's a lot of weird mixed emotions in New York right now around the Giants. I mean, people are obviously still holding on to those two Super Bowls, and they're loving and affection for Eli Manning. She's been terrible for years. So I, bad. I think it's time to move on. I know why you would want to wait until next year with with the great quarterback class, but Odell Beckham not going to be healthy and in his prime forever. And Saquon Barkley as a running back is not going to be healthy forever. Time to strike is now. I go with Haskins. I think ultimately the Giants are going to end Eli's career the way that it started. I think Eli will still be on the roster this year. I think he'll start maybe the first month or so, and then he'll get benched for Haskins. That's how his career started. He started on the bench. Uh, behind Kurt Warner, Warner ceded the job to Eli and never looked back. So uh, I, do, I don't think Haskins will be ready week one. I think, Neither do I. You know, he only played, I mean, he played 15, I believe it was 15 games, or 14 games this year. 
And those are the only 14 games he's ever started. So right. he does need some seasoning. I, I said this on our last podcast. I think he's the best quarterback. I would take him over Murray anyway. But there's this weird, stupid stereotype that apparently the Giants don't draft. I've never drafted a quarterback under six feet. And neither is their GM, David Gettleman. So it's weird. But it's the Jaguars, who at number seven, I'm giving the Jaguars Kyler Murray. Regardless of what the Jaguars do in free agency, I think they're going to end up with Nick Foles. But at the end of the day, Nick Foles is always going to be a stopgap. I, I think they'll end up with both. I think Foles will start the season, and we'll kind of see what happens from there. But uh, they need, I just think they need like an infusion of energy on their offense. And Jesus. I think that would be Kyler Murray. He'll energize the entire fan base. And that offense. That's so scary that you said that because literally I'm going to read you off my note right here. I still think they signed Nick Foles to a two-year deal, but Kyler Murray will be the future for Jacksonville. That is my note. That is so scary that you said that because <laughs> I see them getting whatever they do with Blake Bortles, whether they shoot him in the back of the head or they trade him, I don't care. They're going to get Nick Foles. He'll be the person that allows them to compete in the short term. But with Kyler Murray, he's going to be the guy that will be the future for you. Him and Leonard Fournette in that backfield, oh my freaking God. Read option on read option on read option. It's going to be unstoppable. It would be like if Lamar Jackson gets Le'Veon Bell in with the Ravens. So much talent that I don't see how you pass it up. I don't also see how you pass up getting Nick Foles. If Nick Foles is a free agent, go and get him. If they franchise tag him, give him a fourth round pick. Nick Foles and Kyler Murray will be a, an amazing duo of teaching, of if you want just to put in Kyler Murray for a drive and want to go with some speed packages, you can do that. I think Jacksonville has an interesting opportunity to do the thunder and lightning, but at the quarterback position with Kyler Murray and Nick Foles. So that's, I'm so happy that you brought that up. I I have a football boner right now because that is just, literally we had like a brain blast. Like that's the exact same thought. They're going to get Foles and Kyler Murray, and that's going to be the future for them. So for Detroit, a team that's kind of in limbo, I saw a report that they're a little bit interested in moving on from their quarterback this year, which is very strange. But Matt Patricia is a strange gentleman after they're drafting a center last year in the first round. But regardless, I think the Detroit Lions select Devin White from LSU. They need a linebacker. They need someone that will come in and provide stability for their defense. I think they're going to let Ziggy and Shaw walk this year. So you're going to need someone to come in and be that un, that unchallenged leader. And that's going to be Devin White. Devin White is the best middle linebacker, not overall linebacker in this year's draft. But I think that he is someone that can come in and be an absolute leader not only for that defense, but if they go away from having Stafford, I think he can be the leader of that team. How do you think, Mike? Yeah, they're definitely going to go defense. Um, I agree that Ziggy Ansah is going to walk. My initial, I like the Devin White pick. I kind of went back and forth on him. My initial thought was a little bit sideways. Uh, I like Rashad Gary out of Michigan. But for right now, I'm going to say Montez Sweat out of Mississippi State. I want to. I think he's another guy that he could be one of those workout freaks that kind of jumps up the board mm -hmm. throughout this whole process. So those are kind of the three guys that I was looking at, White, Rashawn, Gary, and Sweat. I'm going to go with Sweat for now, but I think this pick mm -hmm. will change a few times. I, I know it's spelled Sweat, but it's pronounced Sweet. Oh, okay. I know. I same thing. I, I said sweat, and then I watched the Senior Bowl, and they said sweet, and I was like, hmm, that's not how I was taught to spell it. But 
I guess that's how you pronounce it. I love sweet when he sweats or sweat when he sweets because he is a long linebacker from the SEC or long defensive lineman from the SEC. If you put some muscle on him, sweet could be a freaking terror in the NFL. He's very gawky because of his length, but he gets bigger. That kid is a terror. Um, so to move on to number nine, I think the Buffalo Bills select the best in shape wide receiver in the draft. They go with DK Metcalf out of Ole Miss. And if you haven't been on Twitter or online recently, there's a picture that has surfaced of DK in his workouts and he is freaking giant. He looks like Jadavion Clowney sized, but at a wide receiver. And when I flip on the tape, DK is a baller. He looks a little bit smaller on tape, obviously, as when you play the season, you get a little bit thinner, but very lengthy, six foot four, clocked in at 225 on their online profiles. I think he's probably about 240 pounds now with that picture, but he is very fast off the ball. He doesn't have breakaway speed, which is fine because he is a one-on-one. -on -one. I'm gonna go over the top and get you. I'm going to outman you. He has hands for days. You can flip on his highlight tape. He has one-handed catches. He has two-handed catches. He has a catch, oh, like his arms are around someone's helmet, catching it on their head type catches. He is a star. And with how Josh Allen throws the ball, I want to pair him with a wide receiver just like that. I can see them getting down the field, five or six yards. They're in the red zone. Hike it and you just throw it up to him. Let Metcalf do all the work and you take all the accuracy that you need of Josh Allen. You just throw it out the window and let that big wide receiver do all the freaking work. DK Metcalf, if he goes to nine, there's no way the Bills pass up on him. You talked about the combine. This dude is so freaking big. And I think the second he takes his shirt off, people are going to, well, he's going to rise up those draft boards. Metcalf is almost like the, the child of the Hulk and Thor at this point. Jeez, with it, the way that he walks. I mean, he's bigger than Aaron Donald, but I'm going to throw a curveball at you. I actually like A.J. Brown better than D.J. Metcalf. Wow. That's not my pick for the Bills. Okay, I okay. would take A.J. Brown before I took Metcalf. I'm going with Jonah Williams, the offensive lineman from Alabama that we okay. talked about before. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think the Bills need some help to kind of protect Josh Allen. No, I agree. There's That's another team, too. Where, uh, I, I kind of like their defense, but there's just so many holes on that team. And uh, LaShawn McCoy also is nearing the end now, too, so you're going to have to replace him at some point. But, yeah, if they don't go wide receiver, offensive line, I mean, look who you're talking to. I'm always down to draft an offensive lineman. Um, which brings me into my next pick, the Denver Broncos, who I originally had when I wrote this. I put Drew Locke, but for all of you who know, Joe Flacco is now the quarterback for the Denver Broncos. Stupid decision, but... Um, Fun story, my mom actually dated John Elway in high school for a little bit. They went to the same high school. And um, she said he was the awkwardest guy. He walked funny, um, but was just a super you know, talented guy. Um, so a little funny family story. Um, back to their pick. Uh, now that they have a quarterback, I think that they go offensive lineman. I know a couple years ago they got Garrett Bowles, who has been all right. I think he has the potential to be a much better uh, offensive lineman than he is now. He just needs more time. Um, but... Garrett Bowles kind of came into football late, so I don't know how much time he really has left to develop, but I think they go with Jawan Taylor, offensive tackle from Florida. Outside of getting dusted by Josh Allen a couple times, which I don't blame you, he's been a lockdown offensive lineman from the past protecting standpoint. Run blocking still needs a little bit of help, but he's 6'5", 330 pounds and fast. 
I think he'll figure it out, okay? He's big. He'll figure out the run blocking part, which isn't as important in the NFL. What is important is pass blocking, and that is what he does super well. Beyond the fact, and you know, I talked about Garrett Bowles being older, Juwan Taylor is a true junior. He has, you know, he could have stayed. So he's going to have a one-year advantage coming into the NFL, being young on that offensive line. If they're going to double down on Joe Flacco, they're going to go wide receiver or offensive line because those are the two positions that the Broncos need on offense. How do you feel about Jawan Taylor in general? And how do you feel about well, who do you think they'd pick at 10? I like Jawan Taylor. He's definitely number two at his position. He was one of five guys that I have in my notes for Denver. I have no idea what Denver's going to do. I, like you, I had Drew Locke going here initially. And I still think Locke could be an option. It just depends on if they think Flacco could last you know, more than one season. I think they'd be dumb not to invest in the position, but the fact that they made this trade for Flacco so early makes me think that, you know, they're really interested in him. Byron Murphy, the quarterback from Washington, is another guy, but the guy that I'm going to lock in for now is TJ Hawkinson, the tight end from Iowa. Ooh. Flacco loves his tight end. I like Broncos it. haven't had a good tight end since Julius Thomas left after Peyton Manning left. I think... Uh-uh, Dennis Pitta. He had Dennis Pitta. Don't. Flacco had Dennis Pitta, but the Broncos haven't had oh, okay. a yeah, tight yeah. end in a long time. And I think Hawkinson... I, I could also see Metcalf or A.J. Brown or a couple of other wide receivers going here because they do need help on offense. But I agree. I like the idea of Hawkinson kind of as an, as an extra blocker and also as a receiver. No, I like that. They're... I'll, I'll be honest with you, there's a lot of teams in the top 10 that have so many holes. I think the Giants will be the team completely that has the least holes, but still, if you're in the top 10, you're in there for a freaking reason. I just want to thank you guys for tuning in and listening to episode four of our College Football Unwrapped series. I want to thank you guys also so much for you know going through the break with us. I know these haven't been the most consistent podcasts, but college football to me is my favorite subject to talk about so i always enjoy listening to these the most i want to thank mike for coming on the podcast again thank you mike give him a follow at m-s-s-c-h-n-e-i-d also go to his website mikedropsports.com he has some of the best articles and some of the best uh like illustrations on his articles that i've seen from anyone in the space that we work with, go on to the unwrappedsports.com website for us. Give us, look at our articles, tell us what you think, engage with us. We love fan, fan engagement, love people read the articles, tell us what you think. Also, give a look out for my full first round mock draft that will be posted on the website coming very soon, not only for the NFL, but for NBA as well. Thank you guys again, and also you can listen to us on the Pulse Podcast Network, which is an app that is specifically for podcasts of all type. Thank you guys. Also, make sure to listen to us on podcast.com, which I imagine you're already listening to us on that platform. We will have the Apple Podcast app verification done shortly. I know uh, Corbin is getting on that for us. So once we're on there, make sure to like and subscribe and to also give us a review. Let us know how we're doing. You can be honest, uh, but five stars does help us out a lot. Hope you guys have a great day.